to live with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but if you haven't noticed, uh, sometimes you have to learn to live with people and do relationships. You meet somebody and you got two choices, you can totally ignore them or you can begin to become their friend. And when you don't hear it, it's not really a good choice to ignore people. I think I'm going to clarify that. But what happens when you start building a relationship with people is you start to learn to live with them in some way, shape, or form. It's the same thing with Jesus. When you have a relationship with Jesus, you need to learn to live with Jesus. And uh, we're going to be talking about that for the next three or four weeks. How to learn to live with Jesus. Um, just talk to you a little bit for a moment about my family growing up. Some people call that the family of origin. It was unique. Okay, I just feel like both my parents were pastors. We're pastors. Both of them were ordained ministers. And they both had expectations that had been passed on to them. My mother's family, she was the first person to start following Jesus in her family. So they did not have a church background in her family. So that's a unique flavor from her side. My dad's side of the family, he was raised by his grandparents. His mother passed away when he was uh, about five or six, and uh, his father felt like raising his kids was too much for him, so his sister went to Michigan, to Indiana. Uh, imagine that, somebody. Uh, and then uh, my dad was raised by the his grandparents, and uh, they were unique, especially my grandfather, my great-grandfather. Uh, he, he had a rule that he lived by. Talking uh, to my dad in the last two years, I realized my great-grandfather had rules that he lived by, assuming that if he lived by those rules, it was a God of crap. There's a problem there. Um, one of the rules he lived by was uh, reading a certain number of chapters in the Bible every single day. I can't remember the exact number of chapters, but I do know this. He read through the Bible five times every year of his life. He tried that and cut it in half for, and then he cut it back even more to this. So just once a year, he would get through the Bible. Uh, I, I told you that because I was raised in a house where I was expected to read my Bible and pray every day. I would come downstairs for breakfast and be asked, Did you have your devotions? By that, they meant you could read your Bible and pray. Always honest in my answers. That should probably be bad, but now that I'm a parent and grandparent, I know. It was a real struggle for me as an active kid. 
happened in the thing I'm talking about, Timothy said. That's not what I'm talking about. The movie trailer thing. Okay, the teaser thing. This dude's a lover, and you can find out what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. Next week's sermon is going to be about connecting with God. How important that is. So, you can follow along with me in the Bible Twitter app. Or you can open your Bible on the app or up here on the screen. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. Sky displays His glory. Day after day it seeps out. Night after night it reveals His greatness. There is no actual speech or word, nor is this voice literally heard. I just want to pause for a moment. I love it when people who are writing poetry take a moment like this and say, by the way, what I'm talking about right here is a word picture. When I say the stars declare something, it's a word picture. They don't actually talk, and they don't actually make sounds. There's no actual speaker where there's no voice that's literally heard, yet his voice echoes through all the earth, his word carries in the distant horizon in the sky. He sits the tent in the sun. Like a bridegroom, it emerges from his chamber like a strong man and enjoys running in the forest. Emerges from the distant horizon and goes from one end of the sky to the other. Nothing can escape his feet. Now, section about God's will for everyone. The law of the Lord is perfect and preserves one in life. The rules set down by the Lord are reliable and impart wisdom to the inexperienced. So, you want to pause for a moment here to start reading this section. Hey, we have something to you. God knows how we're designed. This is surely as the, the stars in the sky, the galaxies, and the, the planets, and the sun going, I mean, actually going down and providing warmth and light and life to this world. This is surely, if that's not an accident, you're not an accident. You're your own purpose. And with a purpose, and God knows that He defines you in a particular way. As He reveals His law, His word, His written word to us, He reveals that to protect us and provide for us. He teaches how we can determine the difference between right and wrong, between what's good for us and what's actually destructive for us, between what's wise. And what's foolish? He wants us to know these things. Because when we know these things and we live that way, we benefit from it. For example, right here, the law of the Lord is perfect and preserves one's life. You want to read paraphrase? The law of the Lord is perfect and teaches doing stupid stuff. It gives you wisdom. The, the 
and the Lord speaks out the sin and make more joyful. The Lord commands the Spirit to give insight to life. The command to fear the Lord are right and endure forever. The judgments given by the Lord are trustworthy and absolutely just. They are of greater value than gold, than even a great amount of pure gold. They bring greater delight than honey, even the sweetest honey from the honeycomb. Yes, the servant finds moral guidance there. Those who obey them receive a rich reward. Oh. And they all have a lot of gold, trust me, I know. They may not have any honey. Well, it's like the ladies in my wife and my daughter said that. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, okay. Well, I just want to make sure. It is just that getting into the Bible. There's joy and excitement and a rich reward. Who can know all these errors? We'll pause for a moment and just remind us that we're living in a broken world. Uh, we're living in a world that uh, is full of rebellion, starting with our very first parents, and it's continued. Our moral compass is damaged. You know, when, it comes, when, when you hear people go, I just think that doesn't seem right to me. Well, they might be correct, or they might not be. Our moral compass is damaged. It does not point towards Jesus. It points to other things all the time. Most of the time, it points to us, ourselves. What do I want? As a result, people get things wrong without even realizing it. You get things wrong without even realizing it. If you're following your moral compass, your moral compass, follow your conscience, right? It's broken, folks. It's damaged. It doesn't always point to the right thing. And that's a great reason for taking the Thomas approach and asking for mercy. Who can know all his errors? Who can realize how we messed up we all are? How can I realize how messed up I am? Please have mercy on me. I'm not aware. Here's one of I've got enough real problems in me. Things I should be aware of that as often, right? I don't need to be in trouble for things I'm not aware of that. He goes on to say, Moreover, keep me from committing pleasure and sin. Do not allow such things to control me, then I will be blameless and innocent and blatant rebellion. So we talk about blatant rebellion. Flavor sin. That's like walking past Jesus while he's dying on the cross for you going, Hey, what's me do this way? It feels good to win. But after all, you guys got to do it, right? Yeah, it's not exactly the way it works. When we become knowingly rebellious, it can begin to control us. 
outcry. Oh, Lord, may my words and my thoughts be acceptable in your sight. My shelter of life, my So the question we've been asking, or I've been asking, and hopefully you've been asking and listening, is what benefit is there to getting into the Bible? Beyond information and inspiration, I'm here in the Sermon on the Sentence. My inspiration beats information and inspiration combined. Information. Without information, makes you a better educated parent. You can know the Bible cover to cover. You can be like my great-grandfather and read it through five times a year for the whole of your life. And only know a whole lot and still live the way you want to live. And still be a parent. Only to know a whole lot of Bible. And that can be you a wicked day. Good point. Even Satan knows the Bible. No, you want to be like Satan. Read your Bible, but don't change. Inspiration, you know, getting all excited. Inspiration without the information makes us more excited sinners. We don't say it, we just feel really good about it. You know, I got my verse for the day. You know, the really sad thing about those verses for the day, most of us don't remember them within 30 minutes. You remember, hey, maybe two does, maybe, possibly by some point in time. But, doesn't change that. Doesn't make us want to love people more. Transformation takes us beyond your knowledge and emotions into a whole new way of life. Helps you change to become more like Jesus. And if we do not change to become more like Jesus, we are stuck. For a very long time, local churches have focused on receiving pastors who can transmit bite-sized pieces of information that they already knew. You'll fly to you see. What do you mean by that? I tell you what I mean by that. I have heard multiple pastors who speak in other places, like one who spoke around the world. He said, it doesn't matter where I go, it could be Australia, it could be England, it could be Africa, it could be the United States. But when I talk about things that people agree with, uh-huh. I say something new that challenges them, and it's like, Tell me what a good sermon I did. I tell them what I already know and already like to hear. 
other things for writing down things they should be doing. Writing down? Did you think of it? Oh, yeah, you think about that. Then practices. 
do whatever. So, and I wanted to see someone so this way and see someone so this way. So when you meet someone so over at that age, you see them this way. It's going to feel weird, but you've never done it that way before. So you have to think about it. So play your right with your right hand or your left hand, depending on whether it's your right hand or your right hand. It's like writing with your off hand. You can do it. So you really think about it. And here's the thing. If you do it, if you see someone from this way, the first time it's kind of really strange. The second time it's it's not quite as strange as the third and fourth and fifth. About that's a pretty nice time. I tried to say twenty-one, but for some of us who are stubborn, it takes more than that. So that's a pretty nice time. All of a sudden, it starts to shift into becoming automatic. I don't have to think about it. Well, see again, I think of this way, and that is transformation. Let me tell you what happens when you're faced with transformation. It beats inspiration and information all day long. You don't become an excited, better informed sinner. You become an excited, better informed, and transformed disciple of Jesus. And yet, people think they're weird. So and so says, hey, and on the back of their head, they will always do it like that. You want to do it that way. What? How do you want to do it? Do you want At least that after the test, it's in the Holy Spirit. It's like, this is your life. So let's application question. Other than the Holy Spirit, who will help you make changes? You need people, folks. You need other people who are trying to be transformed, who want to change to be more like Jesus. You need to be in groups with people who strive more for transformation than they do for transformation. You need to be in a group of people, three or four or five or six, you need to be 12 or 15. If everybody's on excited and committed, I'm going to let Jesus change me. You can be in a group of 10 or 12 people like that, and you can help each other. And you need to regularly practice and you ask God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to change? And to be praying for each other and encouraging each other. And each one as an opportunity when we get to get set to talk about what's going well for me. What am I struggling with? Not so everybody else in the group can go, oh, we knew we were screwed up if we did this. First time that happens, if I'm in the group, I will let a hand for the person that pointed at me. And I will cast a demon of superior spirituality out of them. Those who think I'm joking. They're not being totally typical. They're probably my favorite definition of rude. 
every group member needs to be able to drill through the nature honestly because they know nobody's going to lecture them or shame them. Because everybody in the group knows we're all in the same boat. We all need to change. You may be saying something that I, I don't need to change because I've, I've already grown there. But I have stuff I need to change that you don't need to change. Kind of group leader you need is somebody who says, I'll go first. This is what I've been doing well this week, and this is where I'm really struggling. Can you imagine the victory that we can experience, the joy we could have if we work together and be transformed and not merely? Informed or inspired? What would it look like if all of us belonged to a circle of up to 10 to 12 people who were pulling for us and protecting us and praying for us and helping us? figure out a way to start some groups where people can be totally open and honest with each other and pray for each other and help each other to practice what God has for them to do. Jesus, no one
Your over every name and power over culture and politics in Jesus. You are over everything in us, individually and collectively. You are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. 